Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever time of day it is that you are listening here and now, I'm happy to be hanging out with you. I am Ted King, I'm the host here on King of the Ride podcast, and welcome. I'd of course also like to welcome Charles Aaron as a guest on today's episode. Now as I mentioned early on in this conversation, Charles's name is one that I heard early on in my cycling career. And his name has resonated throughout my time in professional cycling. As you're going to learn, his history in the sport runs incredibly deep. He has some entertaining stories from way back in the heyday of professional mountain biking. He's made what is now a lifelong career in the the general sport of cycling across a whole bunch of disciplines, as he now owns and runs America's longest-running pro cycling team under the banner currently Human Powered Health. This team has produced the likes of World Tour pros Sepp Kuss, Brandon McNulty, Ben King, Chad Haga, among others. The team's longevity in, in what I'll call continual linear progress to the very top echelon of the sport is something to be incredibly proud of. This conversation is a very long time coming, and I'm thrilled we got the time to, to sit down at last and record here in the spring of 2022. Now, speaking of spring... The sun is out. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm outside, you're outside, my whole family is outside. Now, I, I, I often joke to young up-and-coming cyclists who ask my input on what it takes to become a pro, and my answer is lots of sunscreen. Your skin is supremely important in protecting myself from the sun, my family from the sun, protecting you from the sun. That's all very important to me. And for that reason, I'm thrilled to be working with Zelios. Check them out, Z-E-A-L-I-O-S, or TeamZelios.com. They make an incredible lineup of premium personal care for athletes and everyday adventurers. So think shampoo, conditioner, body wash, lotion, and of course my personal favorite, sunscreen. Designed for athletes by athletes. Or let me cut simply to the chase, The stuff works great, and it holds up to these super tough conditions that we submit ourselves to, plain and simple. Best yet, hopefully you are listening to this podcast soon after its launch, because from May 26th through May 30th, here 2022, there is a site-wide spring sale. Get it while the getting's good. If you're listening at another time of year, past Memorial Day weekend, I encourage you to use the code KING, K-I-N-G, in the number 25, KING25. That's going to save you some loot, and you're going to be happier for it. Folks, enjoy your time in the sun. Enjoy this conversation. That's all from here. That's all for now. Let's jump right into the conversation with Charles Aaron. regret not hitting record even sooner because talking about you having a mullet and an afro oh yeah like, that's did. that's the hard-hitting stuff that's awesome <laughs> yeah no it was it was uh that was a long time ago but i appreciate you making time for me you know pat pat's just a big uh super fan and and he's like you gotta get on in front of ted and um you know just last year was crazy i know we chit chat a little bit and you know, now I got some time and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to get, going to get out there in the public eye. It's about time to, you know, just share a story who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I actually pride myself. I like being the guy that no one knows. Well, so this is something hard for me. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. I don't think I, I could be incorrect. I don't think we have met in person. I have known, I got into pro cycling in 2006 and I have certainly known your name for the better part of the past dozen or more years but were it not for google and googling you i wouldn't be able to put a face to the name so it's yeah uh, no it's you've done a great job of of being there without being there front and center like like many team owners are yeah no it, it, this isn't about me it's about you know our mission our athletes our partners and and i really believe in that um but you know as the world change changes Mm-hmm. You know, people want to know more about who we are. And, and I think this is a perfect time to kind of share my story and start with you and, uh, you know, continue. Yeah. 
ask, but I, I appreciate the time. You know, there's there's a lot here, and I've been doing this a long time. Um, uh-huh. Kind of crazy, absolutely crazy. I've been doing it so long, and sure. uh, I love it every single day. I love what I do. Nice. Well, yeah. Let's 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 dive into some of those details. So I think here in in America, and probably in a heck of a lot of places around the world, a lot of people say that they want to be in professional sports. So I uh, I believe it that that through my life, I wanted to be a professional hockey player. Um, and I joke that I wish I was a professional hockey player and I somehow landed in the sport of cycling and have made a career of that. Um, so at what point do you say to yourself, I want to be the owner of a professional cycling team? You know, I, I, I can answer it, you know, pretty clearly. I, I, I grew up in Minneapolis. I live here in Minneapolis, although we, we live in the winter, sometimes in LA and, we always travel in the business, you know, mm-hmm. that we're in. We're constantly in motion. But, sure. you know, Minneapolis is my home. I grew up here. I was kind of a, a dorky kid. I, I really didn't like school. I really didn't like playing football. I tried everything. I tried football, soccer, uh, cross-country running, blew up my knee. And the doctor said, maybe you should ride a bike. Mm-hmm. And the first time on the bike, it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And yeah. went out as far as I could, called my father and said, I'm out here. And he's like, well, how are you getting back? I didn't think about that. Sure. Uh, about 40 miles outside the city and I rode back. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I always was, was attracted to the sport, but, you know, I, I also remember times where um, reading all the magazines and reading all the newspapers and in those days, there wasn't much, the winning magazine and the Vela news that came out maybe, you know, once every six times a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, uh, I don't know how many times it came out, but I was always fascinated about like what makes a team tick. And I think, you know, I didn't go to school for any of this. I actually started this uh, around the time of, uh, you know, some people are in college, but mm-hmm. uh, I always like business. I always like, I'm very entrepreneurial. I, I, I love it. And uh, I love marketing. I just always had this sense of, you know, how do we get our brand up in front of somebody or, or mm-hmm. you know, how do we promote the value? I remember I took a college class in business and I, I mean, it just popped in my head just now. Um, I had to be like 22 and I did it on the sports cycling and how to sell it and the brand impressions and uh-huh. probably made up half the stuff, you know, in front of the class is probably the only <laughs> A I got, but I remember giving that. And, um, you know, this is always something I always wanted to do. You know, I did try to become a race, you know, a professional. It didn't happen. Uh, times were different back then. And, and certainly, you know, it, as you know, it takes a lot to be pro, you know, I wanted to, nothing. I tell Jonas all the time, Jonas Carney, our director, all I wanted to be was a pro Mm -hmm. 22, Mm -hmm. 21, 23, um, 24, but you know, it just wasn't meant to be. What was that? uh, I mean, dive into that for a minute. Like what was the, what was the climate of, of road racing then? Because even within the past, call it dozen years, we've seen such an interesting flow of domestic road racing. Yeah. What was the scene when you were in that late? It was absolutely huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amateur racing was, I mean, I grew up in Minneapolis. I was racing uh, uh, all over the Midwest. I, I then moved out east, and as you know, you know, up and down the coast. Sure. Was, you know, on any given day, you could race three, four times a day. I think. Yeah. You know, if you plan it right, you know, between the crits and and some of the road races, but you know, definitely three times you could find Pennsylvania, Maryland, and and DC. You could hit some some circuits, uh-huh. uh, some crit circuits there. But yeah, I mean. Uh, growing up here in Minneapolis, we had a, uh, I think it was a Tuesday night time trial or a Tuesday night crit. You had a Thursday night time trial or crit. I forget what days it was. And then Saturday, Sunday, you had road races. Mm-hmm. And, and they were a distance of so four times a week growing up in, uh, you know, a very cold, wintry uh, environment like yeah. Vermont, where yeah. you are. Um, it, it was pretty big. And, and I was a junior. You know, we had juniors racing uh-huh. and we had junior fields in Minnesota here in the Midwest. And then, then you had Super Week and uh, Star of Rock Classic down south. You, you could go into Canada. I remember uh, uh, Cobblestone Classic in, in Winnipeg. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, you could go as far south uh, as Kentucky to race or you could go west. Yeah. So it was a lot going on. And, and we also in Minneapolis always had this history of, of professional racing, Norwest cup, uh, DuPont series was here. This is before the tour DuPont, mm-hmm. um, Michelob had kind of a crit series and, and one of the stops was here, um, a little bit before my time, but you know, there was a lot of racing going yeah. on. So, 
you know, when I, I got exposed to it at a very young age, I loved it. And it wasn't easy for me either. Like, like when I say I wasn't gifted, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I just loved it. And, and, you know, you fast forward a few years, I, I had gotten married at the time. So this is just to put in perspective, this is 1995. Okay. okay. Um, I got a call and, you know, you want to run this team, you know, you'd be great at it. You get along with everybody. And I'm like, let me think about it. And, and I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. This is what I want to do. You know, thinking, you know, how to develop sponsorships. Actually, it was uh, uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, Fat City Cycles. Oh, no kidding. Working with and Serata. So I yeah. ran, yeah. in 95, I ran Fat City's uh, mountain bike team and we created a road team. No kidding. And So, and, so uh, presumably you're wearing every hat, right? I mean, like you are oh, seeking days, yeah. talent and you're, you're creating the yeah. schedule and you're creating the itinerary or, I mean, you're doing everything. Yeah, it was everything. I mean, I, I, I have a memory of... I had a clipboard, a hat on, stopwatch, radio, yeah, all in my hands at a mountain bike race. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, it, it was everything. Uh, you know, that first year we didn't have a real schedule where we had mechanics and you're moving cars around. It was, you know, okay, riders, you go here, here, and here, and you know, right. we'll set up airline tickets and doing the logistics. And I, I did all that. I, I, it, this is before the internet yeah. access, you know, where like you can do it online. Like I would go to a travel agent or I would uh-huh. do it myself. Um, and then that second year, uh, I, I fat city went away and, uh, um, I said, I want to go and find a job running teams. Uh-huh. And, and it was the craziest idea. I was a young guy. This is what I want to do. And, um, I got a job, you know, this is really going back for your, for your listeners. It was Ross bicycles. They had a team called Ross Jeep, okay. Jeep automobiles. And Ross was, I believe the first competitive mountain bike okay. to come out in the market in the eighties. So, you know, had this very historic brand that kind of was bought, repurchased, bought, repurchased, and they wanted a team. Uh-huh. And that was out in uh, long Island. Uh, where they were headquartered. And I, I mean, I got endless stories and, and everybody there was, uh, was great, but you know, I was working for a bike company to run their team and I was going to Norba nationals. I'd never been to really a Norba before. Yeah. Um, and, and dealing with, uh, uh, athletes that I'd never met like downhill. I'd never seen a downhill before like <laughs> downhill. Competition. It was crazy. Uh-huh. And, uh, I had to bring in mechanics and and that's where it really elevated um, hitting the Norba circuit. So places like Mount Snow in your sure, backyard, right down the road. Um, the Swenson brothers are from New Hampshire. I don't know. Pete. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Carl. yeah. Carl. Yeah. They went Carl's to the same off. school. My brother Hi, did. Hey, Pete and Carl, if you're listening, I mean, they're going to be chuckling if they hear this, but no, they, they were great. And, um, you know, just other, other riders, Terry Tanette on, you know, came out of BMX, uh, for downhill. Um, it was just, Crazy times. I mean, I, I think about it. I mean, going to Big Bear for the first time, I'm a Minnesota kid and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm far from the world. And then you're in the mountains and you're with downhillers and cross country riders. And, and, uh, uh, you know, in those days, the mountain bike circuit was pretty set. Like, you know, these were, these were guys who've been doing this for a long time, very competitive, very like the mountain bike scene was, was hard to break into for mm-hmm. me at that time. But it was fun. I was young. Yeah, I, I like well. I learned a lot. I mean, those are really good days, and I, I ran mountain bike teams roughly almost ten years. So, I mean, this is a really interesting time to be talking about because it's the. I'm going to be jumping ahead of myself, and, and I might put a pause on this question even as I ask it. The time you're talking about is the heyday of mountain biking. You know, it's popular, yeah. it's burgeoning, it's it's still new, but then you also have these brands that you just mentioned, you know, Jeep is there, uh, uh, the Volvo Cannondale days. I mean, these, these major brands, we look back in hindsight and hindsight, I wouldn't say it's 2020 because it's not perfect, but it's, it's so interesting to see the, the prolific rise of mountain biking, the fall sometime and call it the, the two thousands. And now it's back on this major rise. Yeah. We're looking at, you know, the same sort of thing in gravel and, and people come to me and, and frequently ask, Hey, how do we make, how do we keep all the cool aspects of gravel in this sport to, to keep it pure? And I'm like, you know, I go a couple ways. 
I'm a product of road racing. I want to see road racing exist and thrive and, and kill it. Yeah. Obviously, we're in a really low point in 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 the climate of road racing here in America. I mean, European road racing is sort of as big as ever. Uh, and so I say, you know, we can we can look back at that period of mountain biking and try to take the lessons there. But I mean, you're the person to ask. It's like, yeah, I I was there, and 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 it's interesting because I was at Sea Otter this this uh, spring. Yeah, I don't know a month ago, mm-hmm. and it, it is so funny for me seeing people who were in the period of mountain biking Mm -hmm. and they come out to me and they're like, are you still doing what you're doing? That's amazing. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. And some of them, some of them actually, you know, the industry leaders of those days who are into other sectors of business and things like that, who still follow what I do, Uh which just absolutely shocks me. Yeah. Um, but our, like Rick Sutton, when I see Rick Sutton, who ran Sea Otter, the founder of Sea Otter, he ran it. Rick's the amazing promoter, amazing guy. I mean, he's like, I can't believe you're still doing this yeah. and, and some other people too. So it's, um, you know, I was there, I was young, I was really young. Um, you know, I, after Ross Jeep, it became Barracuda the following year. I said, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own, kind of like how we're structured now, uh-huh. um, create a company. I didn't really know yet. Like you're, you're in the throes of it. You don't really know what you're creating so much, but go out, get the sponsor, have the sponsor, uh, work with you, work with their agencies and be kind of a standalone, not a factory team. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when uh, uh, we landed Cadillac uh, under the Katera brand. Oh, dang. And, and this was, this was really interesting. I, I've gotten those were great days. Um, I was young, uh, creative, maybe shot from the hip a little too much with uh-huh. my ideas, our ideas as a business, but, um, going to Cadillac, which was this traditional golf, tennis, older generation launched a sports car. Uh-huh. Didn't, didn't last too long, but it was called the Katera, the, the, the Cadillac that zigged, that was the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted something that would attract younger, younger consumers and demographics to, to look at Cadillac and mountain biking got in front of them and it was highly successful. Nice. Um, it was great working with, with everybody at Cadillac. I learned a, a tremendous amount. Uh-huh. Um, they, they were just blown away. Like, you know, having Cadillac executives come to a world cup in Napa, I mean, I don't know how, why I let them do this, but they're like, what can we do to help? And somebody would say, well, can you carry this bike? And our mechanics are cleaning bikes. And, you know, you have the general manager of all Cadillac, you know, scrubbing bikes with us. They just loved <laughs> it. Absolutely loved it. That's and okay. then they would bring their families and, and they love being around the younger side of our sport and, and being truly a, a fan of what uh-huh. we were doing. Uh-huh. Those were great days. And, and for me, um, you know, going to Napa and then all of a sudden we're doing world cups, uh, you know, really racing at a high level. And those, this is right. This is 98, 99, right. When mountain biking is kind of turning yeah. the downward spiral yeah. and, uh, you could see it, you could really see it. You could see it from the support. You could see it from the industry. Um, can you point a finger car- like at, at what are those key causes that, that caused it to fall? You know what? I, I, I'm sure there's, there's people out there that would and say, you know, is this or that, I, I, you know, no, I can't. I I think it's just, you know, there's a few things that happened. One, 2000, we had a a recession. Um, it was a general motor strike that actually occurred people, uh, long general motor strike. So the automobile industry changed a little bit, you know, there was reductions in staff and, and operational marketing expenses. Um, 9-11 certainly changed. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I clearly remember those days. Um, no one knew what our future would be kind of similar to what, what it was, uh, uh, first quarter of 2020, you just didn't sure. know. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think, I, I think the industry changed. I think the habits of the consumer may have changed a little bit. Um, I can't point a finger, but I also think road cycling kind of started to cramp up again. Yeah. There was a, a pop down and then road cycling went up in, in the early two thousands. And um, yeah, I, 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 I miss those days. I really do. It was, it was, I'll tell you, it's a lot easier running a mountain bike team. You're in the same place, same hotel for yeah. a week. Yeah. Your trucks don't move around. You're not doing transfers. Um, and, and the crowds, the Napa, Sea Otter, Cactus Cup, 
Big Bear. I mean, these were incredible, iconic. Mount Snow. I mean, I yeah. rode the Mount Snow course once, thought I was going to die. Uh-huh. But the crowds um, were incredible. Uh, the last time I was at Mount Snow was 99. Lance Armstrong, after he won the tour, uh-huh. Uh-huh. came to Mount Snow and raced. Yeah. And, and, you know, put on a good show with our guys and, sure. and a few others. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a real circuit. It was, you know, where athletes can make a lot of money, you know, racing, uh, for their countries at the Olympics and, and nationals and international competition, mm-hmm. but also, uh, trade teams and, and Volvo, Katera, GT truck always had a strong presence. I mean, those are good times, yeah. really good times. Mercury tour. That was another thing in, in uh, steamboat. Yep. Len Pettigan put on unbelievable race and it was television. That's the other thing. Huh. It was obvious television. For yeah. Races. Uh, that's a big, that's a game changer. Um, okay. Keeping with the chronology, how about walk me through that next decade? Because I, my reintroduction to you and your name and, and your affiliations, I believe begin with Kelly benefit strategies. Is that, yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. That is accurate. Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, our mountain bike days ended. Uh-huh. We actually, as a business, uh, ran BMX and, and snowboard competition, demo teams, all that fun stuff, action sports. A uh, mm-hmm. little different for me. I thought I was, this is, my God, if I was 32, 31, I thought I was really old going to those events. So I, I wonder <laughs> how I feel now. But uh, going to the X Games and seeing our athletes perform at a high level, we actually had an athlete win. Uh, Bruce Chrisman, great guy, uh, great athlete. Um, but it was, it was really different for me. And I was going through somewhat of a kind of a hard time in my life. I went through a divorce. I was living in Maryland at the time. Um, it's common, you know, you kind of think like was cycling a part of it, just that traveling, you know, these are the days where you didn't have access to a cell phone and sure. phones and you're traveling all over the world. But, um, uh, it hit me living there. I want to, and I use the expression with pride, build, you know, bring the band back together, you know, build it and, and it will come. And, uh, uh, I was working night jobs and I said, Hey, I want to build a company that runs a professional cycling team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I even, I, I forgot about this. I said this to somebody yesterday. I even wrote a business plan for this. And I, I gotta say, I was broker than broke. I was working night jobs. I actually, uh, was valeting cars. It was, great. Okay. You know, if you need, a, you know, you're, you're working nights, if you need a day off, you know, no problem, this and that. Um, but I was, you know, two fingering at, you know, 12 o'clock writing proposals because I was cold calling in the morning and um, working nights to, to really build this. And that's really where the humble beginning is. And ironically, uh, this fall, we're going to have a race in, in Baltimore, which I, I am involved with. Um, I think the finish is right next to the Hyatt where I used to work. And so there's just <laughs> all this irony, full circle, you know, here I am coming back to Baltimore this fall with our, our men's, our men's program, but also, uh, this is where it got its start, how this all came together. And ironically, um, as we were building this, as, as I was, you know, two fingering and trying to make, you know, as many calls as I can, uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, David Scharf, he's a doctor in Baltimore said, you need to speak to John Kelly who was sponsoring his, his club at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he says, I think John is, you know, going to be interested in hearing about this and, and see where it goes. And, um, I met with John, he was really intrigued and that was 2006, yeah. 2005. Yep. Took a while to get this thing off the ground. And there's some incredible stories about that, but, uh, um, yeah, 2007, I believe is when we launched Kelly Benefit strategies. And here we are today with Kelly benefit strategies as a sponsor of the team yeah. currently. You know, that's a long relationship. That's a testament. So uh, is my, is this correct? Kelly Benefit Strategies segues to, I want to say Optum becomes. Yeah, it went, it was actually, uh, so we had a few renditions of the team. It was Kelly Benefit Strategies, then it became Kelly Benefit Strategies Metafast, or was it? Yeah. It may have been Kelly Benefit Strategies Metafast before. And ironically, I worked with Metafast years before because they were sponsoring our mountain bike team. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was just you know, business. All, all these crazy twists and turns and uh, it just amazing. But um, yeah, Kelly benefit strategies, then it became Kelly benefit strategies, Optum health. Uh-huh. And then Optum went through a brand change or I'm sorry, Optum health became, went through a brand change into Optum. 
And that's where, you know, I think 11 years ago yep. or more, we became Optum Pro Cycling. Which is at some point segued to Rally Pro Cycling, which yeah. has at some point segued to the current rendition, Human Powered Health. Powered Health, which is something we've, it's, it's a, a, what's the right word? Brand passion, brand positioning, something we've used for the past 12 years, 11 years. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, you know, what we think is really great to express, you know, the values and what we want to instill in individuals to be accountable for your health, you know, it, go beyond your, your, uh, um, uh, what's the word beyond, uh, your capabilities mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, be the best you can be. Yeah. And, and I think it's really relevant in today's world. Um, healthy living is very important. I I'm in my fifties now and never really thought that would happen for some reason. I mean, <laughs> I can't, I, when I say that, I just can't believe I'm 52, but, um, you know, I'm very conscious of my health and want to be, and, and want to really live the healthiest life that I can lead sure. and go beyond any type of potential that I may have. It stood out to me. Maybe it was with, uh, some iteration of Optum that, that the sponsor was known for promoting healthy living. Exactly what you're saying. It's like as a, as a healthcare provider, which I believe they are, it could be incorrect. It's in their best interest to keep their clientele healthy. You don't want to be spending money to, to treat a patient with chronic disease. And now, yeah, I mean, you look at, and, and I can't take credit for this. This was John Kelly like yeah. years ago when I first met him, he's like, cycling's healthy. Right. And I'm sure. like, yeah, you know, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I remember John telling me, you know, and this is, you know, 2006, 2007, John being in the, the benefits business that he would go to his clients and say, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, your rates are going up. You know, this is a common thing. We got our population ages, rates go up. And he's like, I need something that exemplifies healthy living, healthy lifestyle, healthy, um, just way of life to, our clients, their employees, and and also my employees and, and what we stand for. And, and I give a lot of credit to John. He's like, would it be cool to have, you know, healthy brands associated with this? And we're all under one brand mission. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you come to where we are now and, it, and what is that mission? It's human powered health. We work with Optum, which is an unbelievable organization, uh, 325 plus thousand people. We've been working with them uh, for years. I mean, I, I, unbelievable uh, you know, size of a company. And uh, we work with Thorn Health Tech, which that they just came on board. Great company, great product. Uh, I use it myself. I do feel healthier. I'm sleeping better at night. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it aligns very well. And then you also put in the bicycle and the bicycle components and the lifestyle that we have through cycling. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're out there wanting people to recognize, you know, healthy living, go beyond your capabilities, go beyond your potential. And, and I'll add this, just enjoy your life is what it can be. Yeah. Um, is it strange to, swim against the stream meaning we in this in this very traditional sport teams are known for their title sponsor uh name a cycling team and there's a there's a product behind that or a company behind yeah. that title sponsor name so now being called human powered health maybe correct me if i'm wrong there's no there's no direct entity you're not going to go to humanpoweredhealth.com and find a flooring business to use a very right, iconic Belgian right. company as an example. Yeah. No, is it different? It, it is. Um, I think the world changed in, in March of 20. And I think that includes marketing and brand positioning and things like that. We also, you know, in America, and I assume it's globally, you know, the great resignation. I, I think, you know, brands need to stand for something, need to believe for something, need to engage their employees in something and nothing better, especially in today's world that, uh, you know, we don't need to look any further where, yeah. you know, in, you know, get people healthy. I would want my employees to live the healthiest, our employees to live the healthiest life that they can have. Um, you know, I want everybody to live the healthiest life they can have. And I think, um, and, and this is why we did it when we did it. I think maybe five years ago, this may not have been as easier 
uh, or as easy to do. I think it's very relevant in today's world. And and we get emails from people all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I recall an email from a race promoter. He's like, I don't really know much about your, your team, but I want you in a race because I had some health issues and I had, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I want you here because you have a mission behind, behind you. You have a passion behind you. And, and, you know, I'm very fortunate. We have a, an unbelievable organization. We got great people working here. They're a lot smarter than I am. And and when we started talking about this, it was like, yeah, let, let's do it. And mm-hmm. and I have to say, our partners, you know, very much engaged. And and we're going to see more human powered health out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's something very relevant in today's world. And and I hope if we change one life, then mission accomplished. I hope we can do more than that. But I I know. Uh, you know, this is very important to me and, and important to our organization and it fits very well yeah. for everybody. Yeah. If I, I mean, that's a perfect answer. If I talk about your team and your organization, which I have found myself doing more and more over the past, call it three or four years, your longevity speaks volumes. You know, often people will come to the sport, they might run a team for two or three years, whatever it is, and, and they're gone by the wayside. Um, it's got to be a cutthroat business. Um, there is great value in that bottom dollar. And I think people come into the sport and often think pie in the sky, hey, we're going to create a cycling team and then we're racing the Tour de France a half dozen years later. Your consistency and consistency in a very linear, positive, upward direction throughout, I think, speaks volumes. Thank you. A, <laughs> tell me how much of that has been uh, purposeful when you were back in 2006 planning this team and B, what do you see as the future? Is there an end goal? Is it, is it the tour de France? Is it something else? Sure. Yeah. The, the first question. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's been an amazing journey and I'll tell you, Ted, it's, it's been a blink of an eye. Yeah, like I, I remember, I remember, you know, 2007 downers Grove, big teams, you know, that's when things really came together for us. And, and we won the national championships at the U S crit, mm-hmm. uh, Martin, Martin John Kelly was there. We had clients from, of Kelly there raining cats and dogs. And, and trust me, I mean, I remember that. that was major, major accomplishment for, for everybody involved. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's a business for us. It's very important. Um, we have goals, objectives, things like that. And, and I, I work with, I mean, I have the good fortune of, of, of working with a uh, tremendous amount of professionals in the sport, the sport of cycling. We, we, we have organic growth coming out of America. Um, we've been doing this a very long time. Uh, we take what we do very serious and yeah, there is an end goal too, to this. You know, I do want this uh, organization to be fielding not one team in the Tour de France, but two, you know, this is a very exciting summer for us. Mm-hmm. Um, major uh, goal for me, uh, it's not, uh, you know, for your listeners, it's uh, the Tour de France Femme. It's the first modern day, I call it modern day, first time in 35, 40 years. I forget what the, the years are for a women's Tour de France. And we're one of the teams that that is honored to participate and represent the United States, mm-hmm. but also represent our mission. Again, you know, going back to that mission at a global, global scale. But it is, I, I, somebody said to me, this is not the women's tour de France. This is the first tour de France. And I hope for however long I'm doing this, that, that we'll be able to uh, continue with that trajectory and, and someday have our, our men's program compete as well with their female teammates. Um, This is one team. This is always been that way. One team for 11 years, we've had male and female athletes. It was something I learned from the mountain bike days where we had men's cross country, women's cross country, uh, men, downhill women's downhill but uh there's nothing more exciting when i see everybody together and then i also have to do a double take it's a lot of people it's a lot of mechanics it's a lot of bikes it's a lot yeah. of athletes and uh that's where jonas jonas and i kind of shake our heads and go oh my god you know this has really been an incredible journey so um you know yeah it, it's that's our goal and and then you know certainly um we're all competitive too <laughs> And I am competitive. I, you know, what do you want to do when you're there? You want to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other topic, whole other, whole other journey. 
but I, I think we I have the trajectory to do it. And, and I always say we're going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know what that means exactly, but, you know, we're not going to rush it. We're going to do it. When we do it, we're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready for it. And uh, we're going to perform. And that's that's what we're seeing. You know, this this growth go. And you you know what I'm talking about, because, you, you know, you were overseas racing in the world tour. Mm-hmm. It, it's not it's not easy to do huh. and it's not, it's not for everybody. And it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just, you know, we're, we're doing it. I mean, just doing it, chipping away at it. Yeah. I, I, I get up in the morning. I watch races all morning. I'm on the phones with the service course, with the directors. I'm, I'm on the phone with, you know, everybody over there. And uh, it's just so exciting. So exciting to see. That's a perfect question that I had tip of tongue. <laughs> What is your day to day? Meaning, what is the day to day of a of a owner of a professional cycling team? Um, great question. What is my day to day? It changes every single day, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's one of the beautiful. That is one of the beautiful things about what I do. Um, you know, on any given day, I could meet with a CEO, and I could be you know two hours later in a suit with mechanics looking at a bike. Yep. Or you know, at a wind tunnel. You know, in in the olden days, you know, I would go to everything. Um, now there's, there's in our organization, there's people that are much better at all, you know, whatever they do and they do a lot, you know, whether it's mechanics one years, uh, uh, we have a COO, CFO. I mean, by far, they're much better than I, I ever could do it. Uh Um, but my day starts typically in the summertime. Uh, you know, I know races are on, so I watch the races and I pick up the phone I answer emails. Uh, I'm on the phones a lot a lot. Uh, I travel quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, one thing that's kind of new in my life is I do get out for a ride. Excellent. When I can. Excellent. Some days, some days it's at four o'clock, some days it's eight o'clock, some days it's at six o'clock or even five thirty in the morning. Yeah. But that's become really, really important to me. And, and again, going back to, you know, human powered health, you know, I'm, I'm, I see it. I want to live a healthy life. So, yeah. um, you know, in the, in the earlier days, you know, my day would start when the phone rings and it rings pretty early. Uh-huh. And and now it's not so, now it's not so much, but, uh, I'm on the phones a lot. I'm, I'm doing a lot of emails and then I'm also doing a lot of reading. You know, I'm, I like to, uh, read about businesses, you know, what would be a good fit for our, our organization? What would be a good fit for, for cycling? Um, I also, you know, we're in the virtual world, even though we have a, an office and, and, you know, we have a lot of people here in Minneapolis where, you know, I talk to our service corps. I talk to head of performance, which is Jonas. Uh, I try to speak to Pat McCarty and Clark and, you know, everybody. Because yeah. um, one of the one of the nice things about, and, and you touched on this, longevity, Andrew Bajadali raced for us. And now he's our, our head women's director and Joanne with the women's team. And um, I like to be in the know. And what can I do to help is, is, you know, the question, what can I do? What can I do? And I think I probably call these people that probably say a little too much on certain days, but, but they also enjoy it. And uh-huh. and that's, uh, th- that's something very special to me. Yeah. These are good people. Sure. Um, I, um, I've spent some time, quite a bit of time on your website recently. Um, this is out of left field, but yeah, as you na- say, names like Bajadali, I mean, he's great former racer, top tier domestic, uh, nemesis of mine for years. One of the biggest names that stands out, and I didn't even realize he was there, was Alex Sanz Vega, who I believe is yeah, a sports yeah. director. He yeah. he was a director of mine on Cervelo Test Team, and I've, to this day, never had someone in the sport who was so, uh, who cared for those athletes so much um, yeah. and so involved and wants nothing but success for the athlete. And, you know, he was he was sports director for Carlos Sastra the year he yeah. after he'd won the tour. So it speaks volumes. Yeah, to no, he, that kind I, of I just met Alex uh, uh, this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I returned to Europe after this uh, travel restrictions. Yeah, were lifted, and uh, I went to Girona and spent a good 10, 12 days. And pretty much every day I saw Alex and we'd go out for a ride. Nice. And and that's the best way to get my, I, I think anybody's, but undivided attention and get to know, you know, I, I like to get to know people mm-hmm. and, and especially within this organization. Um, I want to know about their families. I want to know what, you know, what got them into cycling and, and Alex in particular, I spent a lot of time with and really enjoyed 
being with him. Yeah. And, and uh, I can't wait to go back and see him. And, and Hendrick, Hendrick Rendant, I haven't met, but I know, I think I had a poster on my wall of him <laughs> uh, growing up and, and uh, uh, Clark Sheehan, who is my age. And it turns out like we have a lot in common and Eric Wahlberg has been with us for years. He's, he's back there. Eric, Eric is uh, uh, <laughs> man of many push-ups and sit-ups and, and uh, he's living his life as healthy as he can be. <laughs> and, and obviously Pat McCarty who's who's very dear to me. And then, and then Jonas, I mean, same thing every day I got to spend time with Jonas and, and once these restrictions were lifted, uh, it really became apparent to me once I got there, how important it was for me to be with everybody. Mm-hmm. The riders um, got to meet riders who've been in, 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 on this team and are employed for two, three years and just haven't had a chance to meet them. Yeah. 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 Which, is, which is really odd because I'm not like that. I like to know everybody. So um, that was really, really uh, exciting for me. And then to meet, you know, to reconnect with Ben King and mm-hmm. Chad Haga, who got their starts with us, and all of a sudden, I'm meeting their kids too. Yeah, yeah, that's and full circle. Lot. And that's 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 kind of like, okay, I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> a long time. So, um, yeah, that Alex Lons Vega, great guy. You know, everybody. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Brown, who runs the service course there. I mean, th- these are all wonderful people. And here in Minneapolis too, I. We have one, two, we, we got a handful of people here. Sam Weeby, creative director, uh, pretty much our CMO. He's been with us, uh, I want to say he's been 13, 14 years mm-hmm. at my hip. You know, lives two miles away, working in the office, does an amazing job. And the website, that that all came through him. So it's, it's, it is unique. Mm-hmm. Very. So how about, we've just named a lot of very talented people. Um Couple thinking of in particular are are Chad Haga, Ben King, uh, Sepp Kuss, and Brandon McNulty. They all come to mind. They've all been part of the program over the years. Um, now, as we as we look at domestic, as we look at American road racing, Sepp Kuss and Brandon McNulty are two of America's best, hands down, and and two of the world's best. This is a sport that probably every sport hinges on talent and money so the more you have the better you can be it's sort of the 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 new york yankees and dallas cowboys situation how much of your job is a scramble four dollars the the you know the the pursuit of of money to make make this this machine go it's a big part of it for sure you know it's something that uh you know, we're hundred uh, percent supported through partnerships and, and sponsorships. And um, yeah, it, it, it is something that we, we work very hard on and we're constantly building decks and creating pitches and getting on the phones. And, and again, I, I keep coming back to this, you know, March of 2020, that world changed too. Yeah. Uh, I used to do a tremendous amount of cold calling. I can't, you know, in today's world, people work from home. They don't have their voicemails forwarded. You know, there's more uh, ways to dodge calls, cold calls uh-huh. than ever before. It's hard to find people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, it's something that, that we do we do all the time. We work very hard on it. Um, and it's something that we're focused on. And, and there is an ebb and flow to it. Uh, but, you know, between... Um, we have some people that work on it. We have, we have work with an agency. I'm very aggressive on it as well. Um, yeah, it's very, very important, but, but with that said, and I truly believe in the power of sports marketing, I truly believe in marketing and I 150% believe in the power of markability of professional cycling, Uh participatory, but also racing. So, you know, these are the things that I've been doing for years and yes, it, it is a very hard effort and it's, it's, it's very labor intensive, but this is what I get really excited about. And, and if it makes sense to me and, and, you know, you have to deal with rejection pretty well too, Uh a lot of rejection, but you you know, if it makes sense to me that that's where it really, really uh, motivates me. And, and I have to say uh, a lot of the the business opportunities that we've had is is coming from cold call past and present. Mm-hmm. And we've had unbelievable partners over the years and, and some of them are not with us anymore, but without their support, 
without those brands and those people working with us, we wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for, for everybody that's involved, you know, at this moment. And, and I could say, couldn't say any better. Uh, we, we have unbelievable partners and, and a lot of them are coming to France, uh, for the first day of the women's tour de France, the nice. tour de France, um, and joining, joining me in this major milestone. That's huge. Yeah. Um, this, this question is going to be sort of an amalgamation of everything we've been talking about. Um, maybe as a result of the pandemic and just sort of the, the climate of American bike riding, gravel riding is huge, hugely popular. You can't go to your local bike shop or now that supply chain is actually opening up, you can begin to, but for a good long while, you couldn't get a bike. Uh, meanwhile, road bikes are easier to get. They're exorbitantly expensive and, and they're not necessarily being sold in the same number as gravel bikes because their gravel is participatory. It is for the masses. It is, it, it is sort of human-powered health in a nutshell. It's, it's getting people out and exercising who would otherwise never exercise. Also hinging back on, the, on what we talked about maybe a half hour ago, European road racing is alive and well and strong. Your background is in domestic road racing. Like those Kelly Benefit Strategies days, that was, that was in the heyday of road racing. So if you look in your crystal ball... <laughs> But what do yeah. you see? What's happening now globally, domestically, road racing, gravel um, racing? What's, what the heck is happening? I, I, I am of the belief, and I'm sure there's a lot of you that a lot of, a lot of the listeners out there that are that could disagree in this. I, I think cycling is on the racing front is is very viable and, and it's seen by many, many people. Unfortunately, where is the racing? It's primarily in Europe now. For sure. And For that sure. is because of the pandemic. Flat out. Racing was to be able to continue. It was challenging at first, but it became easier and easier and easier. And I just see the crowds like tour to Hungary. I mean, we went tour tour of Hungary. The crowds were unreal. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Part of me wanted to be there. I mean, just the crowds were unreal in that race. Um, but you know, here in America, yeah, gravel, I think mountain biking's on a, on a little bit of a comeback. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately everybody's a lot younger. Like I go to sea otter. I don't know anybody racing mountain bikes anymore. You know, that, that generation has gone gone away but uh you know i do think and and it starts with baltimore I, you know what i said about the race going on there um we need races back in the cities and we got one race in many i'm sorry in uh the united states major metropolitan market tv market i hope that we're going to have a ton of people on the side of the roads it starts in the north ends in the city mm-hmm. um it's going to be pretty impressive you know it's, it's this is what, what I'm seeing. And, and I think there's some formula that can be created out of that. And, and you got to remember, it's been canceled twice before due to COVID. Sure. So the partners are there, the sponsors are there. That only galvanized uh, the people that are involved. It changed in, in uh, local government uh-huh. with the election. So it's a new mayor. You know, a lot of changes, but yet the people, they, they persevered. And, and that's what John Kelly, Steve Brenner, Chris Aaron Holt, uh, Terry Hasseltine the, with the state um, United Healthcare is the, the 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 major partner, the the presenting partner of the event. Nice. Um, everybody everybody stayed true to it, and I think we're going to see some more exciting events come twenty twenty three and hopefully twenty four and and hopefully bring back the power of you know what we used to have. You know, tour of California. You did tour of California. Mm-hmm. I, I was there, uh, Georgia and and Missouri and and you know see that that resurgence i i really hope it's coming back i i do see it it's just a matter of when yeah because i i see people riding bikes everywhere minneapolis I, I was in los angeles i mean blown away with how many people ride bikes in in norcal i go out there i told you yeah. um people are riding bikes and i think that's that's going to also create some excitement when racing truly returns mm-hmm. like we have one race in the nationals that's mm-hmm. what our team's racing nationals and and uh the Maryland race. Now you also have Redlands. I know Joe Martin's going on. Yep. Great to have yep. those races back. Sea Otter. I was blown away with by how many people were at Sea Otter. Mm-hmm. So the energy is there. I, I, it's, it's a hard ask for the promoters. They are incredible. You know, every one of them, these are incredible people, but uh, I live in Minneapolis, deep history of, of racing in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any real pro race in this area. Yeah. Um, which I would love to love to bring our athletes to. So um, I see that changing. 
And uh, it's something that I'm, I'm getting more involved in too. Nice. Like we're, we're using the, what we, what we were able to create in Maryland and, and kind of use it as a recipe for other cities, I think is, is the direction I would go. Sure. That's outstanding. I mean, yeah, be the change you want to see um, as the product of that domestic road racing scene. Like, you know, you were talking about that, the super heyday when you could be racing multiple times a day, all up and down the East coast. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it did have that, Belgian feel the the Fitchburg Longs Joes and the 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 uh, what became the race in Minneapolis um, uh, Na- Nature, Nature Valley, Valley Grand Prix West. yeah oh yeah and you know, Altoona and, sure. and uh, uh, I mean I remember racing Tour de Moor and in, mm-hmm. in uh, somewhere in Fayetteville North Carolina I mean these were big races mm-hmm. I mean for amateur pro pro am and then you had pro. Um, I, I see this coming back. It, it, it just is a matter, you know, we, we can't, I can't put a date on it, but I, I truly believe that. And yeah. and now you have gravel, mountain biking, NICA league. NICA is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kids are amazing. These parents are amazing. I went to a NICA event last fall um, here in Minneapolis and it was like going to Norman national. Yeah. The crowds were a little, you know, they were not 20,000, but I would say there's probably three or 4,000 people there it's with bananas. trailers. Yeah. You know, the parents with trailers and tents and, it's the whole weekend uh-huh. and and the kids and the teachers. And I, I was blown away. Like I didn't grow up with this yep. at all. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of, lot of uh, talent with the athletes that, mm-hmm. that there's potential there to build, you know, American athletes. I think there's, there's a lot of energy there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what Nike has done is an amazing job. So, you know, the question is how do we get those kids into road racing and how, right. you know, instead of, football, soccer, you know, whatever the season is here, the season in, with Nike is in the fall In the summer, a lot of these kids are doing other things. They're mm-hmm. not racing bikes. So how do you, how do you pull that all together? That that's something for, for people a lot smarter than I am, but I don't think it's too challenging for sure. I love it. Yeah. that's my hope as well. And no disagreement. Yeah. You go to the, like sea otter felt like the festival of the decade. Um, and part of it was yeah. just having not been around so many people for so long. It just, the vibe felt right. Um, I'm curious. I don't feel like there's been any race promoter who has, who has made a great deal of wealth domestically. And I could be totally wrong. I mean, the, the goal of a race promoter is to put on a great event and be on the sidelines. And you said your, your friend who created and ran Sea Otter over the course of his time creating that event, he, he walked away with a pretty fat check. Um, I mean, I, I, would, I hope so. Hopefully, well, hopefully anytime case, lifetime right? buys you out, you can guarantee you're making some fair money. Yeah. I think, I think Rick had left already okay. by then, but, but, you know, Rick saw it in, uh, he put on the Napa world cup. Uh-huh. He put on other events. I mean, he was an event promoter uh-huh. and, and, uh, I don't know if those, those guys are around anymore. You have medalists, obviously you have, uh, uh, a few others, Dave Chonner. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave, mm-hmm. I mean, what some people don't know is Dave shut down New York where I think it was a Verrazano or the, yeah. I, I forget city, ba- city bank classic. This is way before my day. Uh, 84, 85 Phil Anderson won it after the tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were closed in New York. I mean, they were racing over the bridges and yeah. you know, that, that just will never happen again. You know, I, I think, I don't know. Uh, well, the way the world with the will, there's a way. With enough money, it can happen, and and that's yeah. my point. I'm not saying that a race promoter needs to to figure out a way to to get rich, but it can't be a voluntary job. And I feel like that's why there are so many of these races that have existed and are now gone by the wayside because it it ended up being voluntary and they're getting chewed out left, right, and center. Um, it yeah, and it then, seems and then like a, a pandemic job. Hit. A, a pandemic hits and and you can't have anything. So you yeah. know it is you know, that, that's, that's a big audible coming at you that you don't see. And, and, uh, um, hats off to Redlands putting on a great race, Gila, mm-hmm. um, um, Rob Laborn at, uh, Air Force is always, mm-hmm. you know, he puts on a great race there, um, and very true to what he does there. Um, Tom Schuler has his races, uh, Tom and I know each other from years ago. So, um, yeah, you got you got people out there doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you how do you do more of it? And then when you talk about pro races, how do we elevate that? Mm-hmm. You know, television time. You know, uh, uh, what's on the phone? Uh, tour tracker. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I mean, that's, you, how do you get all that in front in right. front of a partner? 
Um, it's it's really cool to see. I call it the golden age of media right now. Like you said, you know, you can turn on your 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 phone and watch three different bike races if the the day is right on these GCN apps. I know that. I think it's just one day, but we're going to be able to see Joe Martin stage race as much as you're able to see the Giro on GCN. Uh, Absolutely, this particular yeah. weekend. I I was in a meeting in. 99 with an ad uh, it was Saatchi and Saatchi a big ad firm and they were looking at cycling for one of their clients I remember uh somebody got up like the guy who headed up the account and he's like you know what you need you needed a cycling channel yeah and this is when there was the golf channel and I think it still exists today I'm not Uh sure but uh, you know every sport had their own channel and he's like you need a cycling channel we have our own cycling channels Mm -hmm. and and it is GCN and it is the internet and it is uh, Eurosport and it is going to be uh, Peacock and NBC in July. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who came from years ago and and was doing the same thing that I'm doing now, to see that change, I mean, in my day of racing, you would call in one nine hundred number and find out if Greg LeMond won the tour, <laughs> and it's like three hours later and you're paying ninety nine cents a minute, oh, where they're God. like, Greg LeMond won the tour. Uh, it, the media uh, access and the information access. Uh, over the years, this has been second to none. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. And and for me, uh, Sunday, it started out with our, our women racing in Spain. Then I watched the Tour of Hungary, uh-huh. final day. And then I watched Jorobrillon in France. Yeah. And by noon, I got off the couch and I went out for a bike ride. That's fantastic. But, you know, three races that our athletes were racing in, all different parts of the world. And I, I was sitting on a couch and the kitchen table and, and doing it here in Minnesota, watching and, and texting and emailing and even some phone calls. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's great in my, like, I like that. That's no disagreement. Pretty I love there it. There are a few motorbike races too going on, I think. Oh, exactly. You yeah. Can, you can watch the world cups. It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah. This is, this is maybe opening up too much of a can of worms. I, I think back to, Sometime in the late 20 teens, and Oleg Tinkoff, who had, you know, this Russian oligarch had poured millions, tens of millions of dollars at cycling. And he ended up leaving the sport. And he says, sort of, F it, no one wants to help me fight the UCI and the ASO. These very staunch, traditional money making. I mean, the UCI and ASO are certainly making money. Um, entities being, uh, let's call it contrasted by the teams that are just sort of, uh, in this repetitive order. Do you think that the current cycling model is all over the place? Like you run a different program than EF runs, than Dakunic runs, than, than Ineos runs. Do you think there is a, a, are we currently in a successful model or are you leading the way in a successful model or, or is this very, uh, a heterogeneous type of model is that the way cycling is going to be for the for the indefinite future? A great question. Um, ASO UCI, I, I've been communicating with them for years. I've met with them for years. Uh, we have great relationships with with all. Um, you know, I I think we're leading the way with what works for us. Yeah. But the one thing I do know is there is a model. Uh, there is no no specific model that exists. But what works for us is this model. We're we're here in America. We work with American brands that that also sponsor. For example, Optum sponsors the Dallas Cowboys. Optum sponsors the Super Bowl. Yeah. Optum sponsored uh, you know whatever they want. I mean, corporate America can sponsor whatever they want. So there's certain things that we need to do to manage and and have accountability with our partners and and we work very hard on that so um you know oleg tinkoff came in he left he he um i wanted to say disrupted a balance that existed mm-hmm. um we we work with the balance that exists i mean i i can't uh um fight going upstream. I mean, we're, we're mandated by the UCI. We work within the, the framework of that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it works in our favor. Sometimes it doesn't, but mm-hmm. you know, we, we obviously, you know, it all, it all flows very well together. So um, yeah, I, I think, 
you know, in some ways we are leading, um, but it's no different than a traditional stick and board, the stick and ball sport. You know, there's a front office and there's a back end. You know, we have a front office that that exists with our chief marketing officer, creative officer, our CFO, our CEO, Jay Kirker, who you may have raced against mm -hmm. many years ago. Um, myself, uh, we have uh, graphic designers. We we also have a media team based out of London, um, who's just done an amazing job. Uh, um, that's the front office. And then you have the back end, the field, the competitive theater. And that's where Jonas Carney comes in and all the directors, um, all the athletes, all the mechanics. And that's, that's a whole other logistical, uh, complexity, uh, put in front of us, you know, where do team cars go out flying athletes in out yeah. picking them up, you know, you know, the drill, it's like, uh, going to war in some respects, God forbid, but, yeah. um, there's a lot of cars moving. There's a lot of trucks moving and which bikes are on what, and, and they, they do an incredible job on that. So, um, you know, I think great question, you know, it's not easy, but I don't think, you know, working with the NFL is easy and major league baseball is easy and, uh, hockey and all that. And, and we're able to work within the framework and, and continue to grow year after year. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I dig it. Well, whatever you're doing, you're doing well. Thank you. So. Yeah. It's, it's been an incredible journey and, and I would, as much as I'd love to take credit for it, I can't. You know, there's a lot of people here and it didn't start, you know, the success is not, not with, uh, Charles Aaron. It, it's with the whole organization. Right on. Uh, so, so you've been very generous with your time. Here we are approaching an hour wrap up with what I call my, my traditional final three questions. Number one, your favorite place to ride a bike. Number two, the number one place you would like to ride a bike that you've never ridden. Number three, Living or otherwise, with whom would you like to go for a bike ride? Great questions. Uh, I really like Calabasas. Oh, and, yeah. and I I had the good fortune of, of being really close there for the winter, and I love it there. I think the riding there is great. The weather is absolutely amazing. Um, I'll tell you, uh, uh, when I got out there, I'd go out for a ride. I'd ride up the Canyon Roads, Old Topanga. You, you know that area. Oh, I know well. that area very and, well. Uh, I'd ride up Fernwood and I'm huffing and puffing. And I felt like I was an 18 year old kid trying to get into shape and I'd go home and I'd go to bed. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I would go out in the afternoon and I'd go straight to bed because I was so tired. Um, but I got it. I feel like I got, got myself in a little bit of shape. The riding there is beautiful. It was very, uh, peaceful for me. The people there, unbelievable. There's a great cycling culture, uh, Peddler's Fork, Robbie and Gideon. Oh, sure. Um, I got, got to drink a lot of their coffee and, and work from there. Um, just amazing. And then, uh, you know, where would I like to go? I, I think, you know, I've had the really good fortune of really like you traveling all over the world. And I got to do it on a bike or bring a bike or for a bike race. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I love Girona being with, with the athletes and, and the staff that we have there. And, and this last trip was really moving for me. I was sad to leave. I was mm -hmm. really sad to leave everybody. Um, <laughs> I felt awesome. like, uh, we have somewhat of a family there. And, and that was hard, you know, and, and Alex being one of them, you know, yeah. I really, really enjoyed being and getting to know everybody in the cycling culture there. Um, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak French. I speak English. Uh -huh. um, but seeing the, the, the international cycling culture that exists there and everybody for the most part spoke English. And I, I, I really have to say like, everybody was friendly. I went out for a ride. I ran into a Stana rider and, Turns out he was from South Africa and we chatted for a while and he got me back to Girona and it was great. And, and it's just, you know, for someone who's been in the sport for forever, uh -huh. that was really moving for me. And, and then the last question, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but we haven't gone for a bike ride. So <laughs> I'll, put you, I'll put you in that, that uh, group, but you know, who would I want to go for a bike ride with? Uh, that, that's a really great, great question. Um, you know, who I, I'm really big on learning, you know, you go out for a bike ride with me and if we're not going hard, we're doing a lot of talking. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know who that would be off the top of my head, you know, a good person, a fun person, somebody I could really have a good conversation with. Uh, I love Mel Brooks. So I don't know if Mel rides a bike, but man, that'd be fun or Rob Reiner or, or excellent. Uh, yeah. But, All good yeah, answers. It, 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 it would be, it'd be a lot of fun, but you know, somebody that could really, really get to know. Yeah. And that's the best way. Best thing about bike riding is you do get to know people. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you. 
I look forward to someday maybe riding a bike in Girona or Calabasas with you, ending up at Peddler's Fork there. Um, yeah. And if not, Healdsburg. I'm out in Healdsburg for oh, a charity ride next month. So who knows? But uh, um, yeah, our paths will cross for sure. And, and please, you know, keep in mind Baltimore. Yeah. Um, you know, come to come to the race. Uh, um, love to, you know, get to meet you in person, you know, where we can just formally talk. But, you know, you're always welcome at anything we do. Appreciate it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know Chris Aaron Holt very well. So it's yeah. cool to see his name behind the event. Yep. Chris uh, with medalists is spot on putting, I mean, yeah. he's amazing. Like uh-huh. closing down Baltimore. This is not an easy, easy feed by any sure. means. So that's off to him. Excellent. All right. Well, you've been generous with your time. Uh, yeah, Charles, thank you very much for, for your past hour and sharing some insight and look forward to seeing you around. Great. And thank you. And, uh, I know you got some races coming up here too. So oh, yeah. you doing unbound? Yeah, we're we're both uh we're threading a needle here. My wife is due anytime in the next call it three weeks, and unbound is what, a week and a half away. So yeah. uh that's gonna be in the TDD category. Just a little excitement for you. Yeah, that's exactly. Great. As someone well, said, okay. you're gonna win either way. I said that's the yeah, cheesiest yeah, and yeah. perfect answer. <laughs> well, I wanna hear all I want to hear is good things about both. So just Thank uh you. you know. Be safe and uh, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Take care. Okay. Thank you.